0: Hello there, my name is Stefan Frost, the host of Game Devastation, the podcast you're listening to right now. Just as a heads up, sometimes there are opinions on this show, sometimes there are curse words on this show, sometimes I just sob for about 20 minutes. I don't know why people keep listening to it. Anyway, all these things are from me. They're not really representative of the company I work for or previous companies that I've worked for. So just a heads up, and that's about it. Okay, legal disclaimer now over. This episode of Game Devastation is brought to you by Pixel Dynamo. You can find the latest news, reviews, and updates to all the games that you care about. Check out Pixeldynamo.com or follow them on Twitter at Pixeldynamo for your up-to-the-second news on the games you care about. Also, in a less commercial way, this is a pretty sweet site. So if you haven't checked it out, Pixeldynamo.com. Go read it. I think I said Pixeldynamo.com enough. Pixeldynamo.com. Okay, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to Game Devastation. My name is Stefan Frost. Today we have a very early morning version of Game Devastation. Uh, we are It's it's 7.52 in the a.m. for both Jeff and I. Um, Jeff is with Undead Labs. He's worked on State of Decay. He's working on a new project, which we're probably not going to talk about in depth. But at the very least, we're going to talk a little bit about his background, how he got into the industry... And I'm going to apologize for making you wake up before 8 a.m. Good, sir.
1: (laughs) No, that's that's perfectly all right. I'm just I'm just here to listen to you sob for 20 minutes. I think that sounds really entertaining.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you've listened uh, to at least one of the podcasts. Um, (laughs) At
1: least listened to the first five seconds of one of your podcasts.
0: Yes. There there we go. Fantastic. Um, Okay, so, uh, Jeff, you are a senior designer at uh, Undead Labs, which is up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I say up because I'm in California.
1: I was um, guessing that might be the case, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> not underground. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about how did you get into games? Where did you get your start?
1: Uh, well, my um, my dad was actually a, a, a game critic uh, as I was growing up. And so we had this sort of de- he He didn't have a whole lot of time to actually play all the games that he was supposed to play. But there was a steady stream of games that were coming into the house all the time. And uh, and so my job was to grab all of those games that he would stack by the by the door when they were mailed to us, uh, and play all of them, and then sit him down for for a couple of hours one night and explain what was good and bad about all of the games, uh, and then he would go and write his 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 column uh, based on based on the experience we had. Now, It wouldn't all be based on my impressions, of course. He'd be he'd be drawing a lot of his own conclusions, sometimes surprising conclusions from from my experience. But that was sort of I mean I was doing that at like you know. Eleven years old, and so I, I, I spent my my life thinking critically about games, and and, and you know, th- you know, not just sort of sitting back and being entertained by them, but but sort of I was kind of forced into this mode where when I was playing a game, I was wondering what it was, you know, what was it doing, what was it doing differently from other games, what was it, you know, why was this game fun, what wh- where whereas another game might be less fun, um, and that sort of set me up uh, so that you know when when I got older, I you know. It's weird. I, I'm sort of uh, some of the one, one of the last of the generation of game developers that just have stupid stories for how they got into the game industry. Like like now they they've got all these you know programs and colleges and things like that where you can uh, you go and they'll and they'll give you a lot of practice building games with with teams of other students and and you're getting some like legitimate game game development experience before you ever even land your first job. That didn't exist uh, when I was. Um, uh, when I, when I, when I was, uh, getting into the game industry, but I was like 24, um, so but yeah, basically, there was just uh, most of the of the game developers of my generation that I'm aware of, uh, their story involves somehow just sort of knowing somebody who was involved with a game company who realized that they had an open slot for an entry level position. And they're like, hey, you seem like a clever fellow. Why don't you, you know, come and <laughs> come and do this job for a minute? And you come, show up and then you just try not to screw up too hard for for a few years until you figure out what uh, what you're doing. And that that's kind of basically how my story went
0: so at what point so this is really interesting uh, I got a couple questions off of that uh, one what uh, magazine or newspaper or what what did your dad write for
1: uh, he wrote for a magazine I don't think he, I don't even know if it's around anymore it's called compute and uh, it was it was back in back in like the, the 80s uh, you know it was, it was it was about a lot of computer things and he was he was their game columnist for a while
0: that's awesome um, now uh you were talking about how other people kind of got in what what was the that's cool that you have that background but how did you get in like what was the first place and then how did you kind of talk your way in
1: (laughs) well um basically my uh my uh uh the the let's see here how do i start this my the the the, this company called amaze entertainment uh they were a a small uh actually they're actually they actually got pretty big for a while they were a few hundred people actually uh, but you know around the middle of the time that I was there but they uh, they were this outfit that would do uh, m- uh, games based on kids movies uh, and it was you know it's it's a part of the industry that that barely exists anymore because uh, you know these days if you want to do a movie tie-in game you usually do a really uh, small-scale like you know mobile mobile game um, and a lot of them are free to play and there's just sort of a, a whole different industry now based around you know uh, basically uh, making games that support a larger, a, a larger brand. Um, but back then, you know, we didn't have these, you know, like, you know, phone games were, were like, you know, snake on your, on your Nokia. And, and that wasn't really part of the industry. So, you know, when, when, when a, a big movie company, you know, wanted to, to do a game to tie in with their, with their franchise, they would, they would contract somebody like Amaze to do it. And, uh, and so, it it was an interesting part of the industry because, you know, the budgets were very low. Most of the budget, you know, was, was really just about, uh, you know, the, the publisher buying the prop, buying, buying the license to the property. And so most of the budget just went into the deal-making very little of it went into the game development. And so it was very, a very scrappy sort of, sort of operation, uh, where, you know, we had to make do with, with, with very little resources to try to make games that would still be on the shelves next to, you know, the big, the big budget stuff. Um, which was uh, uh, kind of a big challenge, but so so Amaze was interested um, in in a property that my that my dad was associated with, and he realized that he hadn't actually played a new game since 1991. And so um, when they were going to you know be talking to him about their plans, he sent me to represent him. Uh, and so I so I went uh, so I went down there to sort of just represent him in a, in, in kind of a deal making capacity. Uh, but I spent ended up spending two two days telling them how I would make. You know how i would make these games uh and so at the end of it uh they they hired me to you know to to write proposals for them and things like that and then back then they didn't have the idea of a, of a flexible workforce like you wouldn't just hire contractors for short periods of time and to try people out you would just hire people and so i just you know once i was done with the first couple jobs they gave me they're like oh well we've got this guy um why don't you design this game and and just sort of kept giving me responsibilities and and i was lucky because i mean when I look back then, I mean, I, I really was just not a very good game designer back then. Uh, I was I, I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody really knows what they're doing when they first get started. But I was just I was just lucky enough that there was always some disaster going on at the company that was bigger than the one that I was responsible for. Uh, and so each each year, you know, my disaster would kind of fly under the radar until eventually I, I got enough experience to 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 do it for reals.
0: <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Um, so uh, you were talking about a maze and mobile games, and I, I was l- looking at your resume last night. And effectively, mm-hmm. you've got mobile experience, you've got PC experience, you've got console experience. What are the major differences when you start to think about game design for those things? Like if you're if you're thinking about a mobile game versus a PC game versus a console game, how do you start?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I usually usually I'm starting from something besides the, besides the platform. I mean, usually especially with when, back when I was doing licensed games, um, uh, a, a ton of it was was just about, you know, trying to thinking about, you know, why why do people go like I don't know, like uh, like taking a movie, for example. You know, why, why do people go to this movie? What what's the experience they're hoping to get out of it? what's the sort of the vicarious experience they want to have watching these characters in this movie? Is there a way that I can boil that 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 boil that experience down to like, you know, to what really matters about it? And then make sure that the game is delivering that. Uh, that's, that really, for me, is the most important thing, even with, you know, State of Decay, which is an original property. Uh, it's also, I mean, it's original, technically, but it's also heavily inspired by an entire genre of, of you know, zombie fiction, zombie movies, som- you know, there, there's a lot of Expectations uh, for for a, for a game that's about this subject matter, and 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 a lot of what makes State of Decay interesting for people, I think, is the fact that they've already thought of this scenario. You know, they've they've been out, you know, they've watched zombie movies, and they've imagined, okay, what if zombies were real? What what would I do? You know, how would I live? I mean, there's the moment when the zombie attacks you, and that's interesting to wonder. You know, what w- what is it like to to have to fight off a zombie? But I think the bigger question in a lot of people's minds is how, you know, how would I live for a year, for two years, for three years in a world that is, you know, that's full of zombies and where the infrastructure that my whole life is built on has gone away and I have to try to replace it somehow. Um, you know, those kinds of questions are, are pretty present in people's minds. And State of Decay, like the whole point of that game is to give people a way to answer a lot of those questions, you know, is to, and, and so and kind of no matter what game you're building, there's some, uh, at least at least when it comes to to games that are that are sort of grounded in uh, in in some sort of <laughs> something like reality or something like you know some uh, representation of reality. Because uh, there's purely abstract games which kind of work pretty differently, but uh, games that are grounded in reality, uh, you, you usually you're going after something like that. There's some particular feeling or experience that somebody has that somebody sort of imagines and idolizes in their head, and you're trying to give them away to have that experience, um, you know, in, 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 something that, that tries to approach their, their real life. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's what, that's where I usually start. Uh, but then, um, but you actually asked me something else. You asked me about uh, <laughs> well,
0: platforms. Well,
1: so, uh, so I, should, I should get to your question at some point.
0: Yeah. Well, what's interesting is uh, you know, at Blizzard, we, we say, what is the player fantasy, which is what you're talking about effectively? Like, what is the cool thing about, you know, being a death knight or what is the cool thing about being in a zombie apocalypse and kind of designing stuff based on that? Uh, but yeah, the, the question was kind of about. So after you design, OK, like zombie zombie holocaust, what are the cool things about the zombie holocaust? Now I have to make it on a mobile platform.
1: Yeah. The, the funny thing is that, um, that one of the reasons that I was, was hired by Undead Labs was because um, I, my, the job that I had at the time, uh, when I first started talking to them, I was working at uh, at a mobile company, and um, I had this idea that had been knocking around in my head for a mobile game that was about you know zombies. Uh, and it was, well, it wasn't really about zombies. It was about communities and survival, and it was about you know, tell, uh, telling, uh, procedural stories based on, you know, uh, crises and decisions that people were making. And, uh, it was, it, it was, a you know, it was a really fascinating idea and it was kind of, it was, for me, it was, I was really getting obsessed with it because it was, you know, one of, for me, one of my holy grails of game design is, is procedural storytelling is finding the right way for, for games to tell stories uh, that, that other media could not tell, you know, that, that. Because, you know, most other media, I mean, we, we've spent eons and you know, generations building up our skills as linear storytellers, you know, from like you know, gr- Greek playwrights, going back to like, you know, the epic of Gilgamesh. Like we've been try- you know, learning more and more and more about how you tell an effective, linear, non-interactive story for a really, really long time. And, and people have gotten super, super good at it. Um, but the interactive stories that you tell uh, with, with video games... It's 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 kind of a new beast. I mean people people have done interactive stories, things like you know, like improv or whatever have a strong interactive element to them. But video games, it's you know, it's like you're making you're making a machine that can have an that can tell an interactive story with a player. And so, so usually traditionally games will, will rely on a lot of methods that have been developed over, you know, over millennia uh, to tell linear stories, but we're still just barely starting to crack into this, this, this problem of what's the unique way that games can tell stories that other media can't. So, so this, this uh, idea that I was developing about, about, you know, zombies for mobile was uh, you know, it, it was, it was sort of, filling up my brain, and, and, and I was I was really interested in it, but I couldn't see the current company that I was working at, you know, at the time, uh, developing it. It didn't have really super strong free-to-play hooks. In fact, if I put, uh, when, when I came up with, with how it would work as a free-to-play game, which was what, you know, the company I was working for, that, that was what they did. Uh, when, when I thought about how that would work, uh, it actually, the game got really sadistic and mean and terrible. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't working. Um, and so, but then uh, I went to a PAX, went to PAX, like, you know, I think it was like PAX 2012. Um, and I saw this booth where there were, there was this scrappy developer that I'd never heard of called Undead Labs that was making this game that was exactly the game that I wanted to make, except it was the console version, uh, instead of the mobile version. And so there were there were some some big differences there. You know, the, the mobile game that I was thinking of, um, it didn't have an action element. It was all about um, it, it was about just make, You know, you were presented with simple choices and you would make those choices. Uh, sometimes there would be time pressure. Uh, but it was all about, you know, sort of presenting things to the player on a screen, letting them make choices about it and, let it, and having them play out. Um, It was all about being able to do do things in very short bursts, uh, you know, with just all of the events were kind of separated from each other and you could stop any time and there wouldn't be any reason why you had to play for a solid hour. Uh, And so the structure of the game was very built around sort of the circumstances of a mobile player. Um, and state of decay is very different from that. I mean, you know, it does have a strong action element and you're running out, you know, and, and you'll take your character out into the world. And if you want to get something done, you've got to stay out there for a while and you've got to make a commitment to it. And, and, it, and it, you know, embroils you in dramas that, that, you know, that, that last for a long time. And, um, and, and there's a lot, you know, they and they're trying to create this fully, instead of just presenting you with choices and letting you imagine the world that you're in, they actually create the world that you're in. Um, and so the, the circumstances of it are, are, are very different. Uh, but at its core, it was pretty much exactly the game that I wanted to make. And 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 I think that, you know, when, when when you spend a lot of time with games, you know, analyzing games, you start thinking of games less in terms of the superficial elements that that sort of make them fit into fit into somebody's hands in a different way, making them, you know, fit onto a different screen. Um, and, and you start thinking of them of them in terms of those those core fundamentals. And so when I saw that game at PAX, I was like, holy crap, someone is actually making the game that I want to make how can it please, how can I meet these people? How can I, you know, so I started just talking their ears off and, uh, over the course of the next year, we got to know each other and, and when they had an opening on their design team, they, they, you know, invited me to to come on.
0: That's awesome. Um, so I, I wanted to get more into state of decay specifically, and that was a good segue into it actually. Um, the game is is very much systems focused I've noticed in, in especially for like a zombie game usually it's kind of like you go run around and smash heads and that's pretty much it okay. um, now with this one uh, there were there's i mean like a ton and where does that process begin I know you kind of came in a little bit late on state of decay right yeah but-
1: I, I came so I came late uh came in late on the original game uh basically i I was brought in the first thing I did was uh, we did uh, I helped with our first major um uh, update to the systems. I worked on the PC version. I and then I was the lead designer on both of the expansion packs. So I, I got deeply enmeshed in the game, even though I wasn't I wasn't the one you know uh, any of the ones who who developed it initially. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 but, you know right now you know I'm working on you know other other <laughs> secret projects that are, that are going through a similar process. Um, and and you know it, it does it does kind of uh, when you, when you want to let me think about this. Cause yeah, cause when, when you want to come up with a, with a very systems driven game, I mean, f- for, for me, uh, a lot of the time, uh, the, what, what you really want to, well, hmm, you want to answer the question, you know, what, where it where is the game in this? Uh, when you're like, for instance, if you look at, if you look at zombie movies and things like that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different games in zombie movies. There's the, there's the sort of the action game of, of trying to, you know, trying to nail headshots and trying to fight zombies off you. Um, and then there's sort of the long game, the the, the the strategy game of of trying to figure out you know how you're going to survive, and 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 I think you know like you, you like you know you and you were mentioning you know that, that at Blizzard you talk about you know, what's the player fantasy, um, uh, it's 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 very easy to to sort of, um, well, what, what am I trying to say? Like there there are a lot of games out there that 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 are mo- that are most that are pretty much movies with a with a mechanic that that sort of allows you to progress the story um, and and there, and there's nothing wrong with making a game like that i i should i, I should absolutely say like i lo- some of my favorite games are are that style of game like uh say the last of us for instance one of my favorite games of all time right. um some some of the you know some of the best uh linear storytelling some of the some of the the best production values the be- i mean just one of the best experiences i've ever had in a game was with the last of us um, but it's but it's essentially you know the way the way that that game is structured. I mean, there's a particular story that they're there to tell, um, and the and the mechanics are there as a method for you to sort of struggle your way through it and and, and to and to feel uh, to some degree what the characters are feeling. And, and it's actually they you know they they use a lot of the, the game mechanics as a way to enmesh you uh, in the story and and, and bring you along uh, in the story in the way that it, that a movie can't. Uh, but it's essentially uh, you know so you're you're, you're playing through. A particular experience that they've planned out, um, whereas there's a, there's a lot of other games that are that that, that take the the uh, kind of the opposite approach, where they say instead of saying you know uh, instead of being a a game that has zombies as its story, uh, which is which is what The Last of Us is, uh, it's you know it's a, it's a game where it's telling a story about zombies. Um, what we tried to do with State of Decay and what say you know like uh, a, systems driven games like, uh, um, I don't know, like XCOM or um, uh, what's the, the one I'm playing? Ink, by the way, is like the, my favorite game that I've been playing lately. Um, you know, a, a lot, a lot of what, what they, what they're asking themselves is not, you know, how can I tell a story about this subject matter, but what is the game of this subject matter? You know, like if, like take, taking an in invisible ink, for example, I mean, they're, you know, it's kind of a sixties style cyberpunk uh, a stealth game where you're playing spies, and and uh, you know I can just imagine them sort of asking asking themselves. And I, I obviously was not in the room when Clay was designing this game. I have no idea what process they went through, but I imagine them, you know, sort of thinking, you know, well, what what is the essence of a covert operation? What is the essence of being a spy? Um, you know, it's it's being you know completely overwhelmed by the uh, raw military power of, of of the person that you're going against. You're not going to be able to overpower them. With strength, it's you know it, it's, it's entirely about um, you know being able to make decisions in, in, in a split second that keep you hidden that that, that that accomplish your objective in spite of the fact that the longer you stay you know the worse everything is going to get um, and and sort of you know and and you can see them sort of you know planning the systems of that game around this sort of idea of what it must be like to be this kind of person, you know, and, and, and what are the, you know, in, in real life, we make strategic decisions all the time. You know, you're always trying to analyze your own life and figure out, you know, what are the, what are the threats to my, to my, you know, I want certain things out of life. There are things that are trying to prevent me from getting it, but I can come up with a strategy that overcomes the problems and gets at the things that I want. Um, and people, everyone's had that experience in their own life. And different lives have different strategies that 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 you have to, you know, that you have to engage in. Different careers have different strategies. Different problems have different strategies. And and you know, it's it's the challenge of of coming up with a game like this is is to sort of look at a particular fantasy life that you think somebody you know is, is interested in that they're going to have, and think through what are the strategic choices I would really make in that situation. You know, what would I actually how would my choices actually work? And is there a game that I can develop around those, you know, design around those choices uh, that, you know, obviously I can't make you actually feel like the zombies are attacking you. And it wouldn't really be fun for me to present in fine detail every single, you know, uh, aspect of, of, of trying to survive in the zombie apocalypse. In fact, I, um, the, the uh, systems designer uh, that I work with here, uh, uh, Brian Giami and I both read this book called The Knowledge. Uh, which is about, uh, basically this guy went out and researched all of the little tiny pieces of technology that he, that most, you know, Westerners are unaware of, that, that are the foundation of, of civilization. And said, let me write a book where I put all of these in one place so that if, you know, society ever collapses, you can read this book and have a rough idea of what you have to do to survive. Uh, we read the book and we were so fascinated by it. We wanted to put every single detail. We wanted to, you know, just the process of making charcoal is so fascinating because uh, it because it got so many byproducts and so many like you can just the, your your entire life is about charcoal really if you're trying to survive uh, in the you know in, in an apocalypse. But you know, it's so we we wrote up you know really ridiculous ideas for how we were going to do this. But in the end, we had to look at okay. What are the actual interesting decisions somebody makes? How to you know make your charcoal? As much as I love playing a tale in the desert, which really was all about making charcoal, um, you know, like making charcoal isn't the fun part. The fun part is the life and death decisions. The fun part is needing to you know make sacrifices to to commit these resources to this problem, even though you might need them for a future problem. And when you boil it down to that, you can sort of like you, you just want to keep pushing yourself to come up with a more elegant solution, a more elegant solution, something that preserves the 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 sense of uh, of of verisimilitude, the sense of the, you know the compelling feeling of this really represents the kinds of choices I would be making in the real world, but then makes it simpler and simpler and simpler until you've got something that is simultaneously compelling as a representation, as a vague representation of reality, but also simple enough that you can sit down, look at it once, and understand what's going on. and and, and kind of trying to trying to make that balance is for me the 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 real fun of systems design like the it's almost like that little bit of satisfaction that you get when you're, you're when you're in math class and you and you've been taught how to reduce fractions with the you know the you know lowest common denominator and all that, like it's a simple little operation where you take a bunch of really big ugly numbers and then you suddenly realize no 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 but these numbers all have the same factor in common and if I remove that factor everything gets simpler and more elegant and more beautiful that little that little spike of joy you get uh, when you figure out the solution and your fraction looks more beautiful that's what you, when you're doing systems design, that's what you're chasing a lot of the time, is that feeling of, no, 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 now it's simpler, and it's more beautiful, and I figured out what to cut. I figured out what to, what to get rid of to make this work.
0: So I want to give you credit for two things. Um, one, answering my next question in that question. Uh, and two is using verisimilitude in a sentence so well done
1: <laughs> and, and, and three so so I, I I should say that one of the other achievements that that I've, I've made in my life is, is being able to, to to talk endlessly without give, letting anyone else get a turn uh, uh, <laughs> a word in edgewise this is actually this is one of the you know if you're if you're talking about some of the challenges of game development I think the the biggest challenge uh, that a lot of people face isn't necessarily you know, game design and, and, and the technical challenges that you face or the creative challenges that you face. A lot of times it's, it's the social challenges. Uh, like, I mean, for me and actually Brian, the, the designer I was talking about, uh, the two of us actually kind of have a rule now when both of us are in the same room and and, and we're in a meeting, we have to stop periodically and say, okay, What did everyone else want to say during the past 20 minutes when Brian and I were just going back and forth, being the only ones who were talking? Uh, What did everyone else want to say during that time? And like (laughs) getting everyone else to talk because we both are just these these rapid fire chatterboxes. I feel bad for anyone who's listening to this podcast at like one point five times speed because I might be incomprehensible. Um, (laughs) Well, see, I think
0: it it works well for this kind of podcast, though, because the the whole point is me asking you questions and then you having interesting answers. So that works out really well. There are a lot of people, and I'm not kidding, that I invite on the show and they're like, sorry if I talked a lot. I'm like, that's kind of the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. that's good uh if i'm the one talking a lot it's not a good thing i'm supposed to be interviewing so um <laughs>
1: okay, well that, 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 that works for me if this is a place where i we, we, you know this is this is probably the, the 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 sort of safe space that i would be looking for is a place where i can talk freely and no one feels bad about it
0: there you go man this is that is the whole point so <laughs> absolutely talk your heart out um yeah, so my, my question that you answered was actually how much do, does the theme of the game affect the systems? And I think you answered that pretty much already because it's... Yeah. If, it's if,
1: if, if they aren't the heart of the systems and you're doing something wrong,
0: you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so then my next question for you, good sir, uh, is somewhat related to what you were talking about. There there are a myriad of zombie games out in the world, right? State of Decay did, did pretty damn well um, for the freshman effort of Undead Labs. And so... Uh, I wanted to ask, like, what is what is different about State of Decay that made it good? And then what continues to make it better with the new systems that you guys kind of included or added into it?
1: Well, I, I think that the, um, uh, the thing that, you know, and, and I can't take credit for this, because even though I was sort of thinking of something on my own off to the side uh, at the same time as these guys, I didn't come up with, you know, the original State of Decay. But I think the thing that they hit on the, you know, the 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 folks who really did come up with the with the original idea which was um uh, uh Brent fitzgerald and and uh and uh uh you know doug our, our art director uh those guys there there were a couple of artists who were you know they were working at um at uh why can't i think of the name of the company that made Guild wars arena net <laughs> yeah yeah. Anyway, uh, ArenaNet. Yeah, they're working at ArenaNet and they had this idea, you know, so, so I, they, they get full credit for, for coming up with, with, with the idea of State of Decay. But what the, um, you know, what they, uh, the group, the big inspiration, I think, that makes State of Decay, uh, uh, you know, stand out is is the fact that, it, that they, they sort of figured out what was actually interesting about zombie movies because, you know, because because uh, you know zombies started out, you know, at least you know in in their current incarnation in our culture, they started out as 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 a, as a film enemy, right? I mean, it's like Night of the Living Dead, uh, you know, sources like that. That's that's sort of uh, the foundation of it, and. You know, for a lot for a lot of folks, you know, they look at a zombie movie, and they're like, oh, it's it's about the zombies. How scary can we make the zombies? Can we come up with you know, uh, you know, more situations in which zombies can be eating people, and more you know, like horrible ways that zombies can murder people, and you know, and, and they'll think mostly in that direction. But uh, you know, the heart of a of a good zombie movie is, you know, it's not really about the zombies. The zombies are a force of nature. The zombies are a background element. The zombies are just they're an excuse to put people in uh, into dire circumstances, and the real uh, heart of a zombie story is really it, it's about the community. Um, you rarely see a zombie story that's about a single person trying to survive. I mean, now and then, it, you know, you do like you get things like um, uh, the uh, because it's early in the morning. I'm not going to think of the name of of anything. Uh, I am Legend. You know, so now and then you get uh, something like I Am Legend, or e- even I Am Legend though. You know, it's got the
0: dog. it has got the
1: dog, and the story really is about him finding more people, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of, um, it's not, you know, zombies are not enough to tell a story. You know, the, the, what, what these zombie stories are really about is Taking people, usually uh, very different people, people who might not have even met each other in in our normal society. You know, it's, it's basically taking the society that has sort of made our, our lives, our social lives, much easier by putting each of us in our own box and saying, okay, this is your job, this is ho- how, who you are, this is the feelings you're supposed to have about everybody else, and uh, these are the people you can ignore, and these are the people that you have to, you know, make nice with. Like we've all got these sort of rules in our lives that sort of govern how we act, and and, and so and we can kind of get into uh, into a comfortable rut, where, you know, we know what to expect out of our lives, and we know how we relate to everyone else, and it's easy. Um, zombie movies take people from very different parts of society, they break all of those bonds of society, they break down that entire structure, the whole thing goes away, lumps all these people together who normally would not even have to deal with each other, and then, and then puts them under extreme pressure, threat of death, any of them at any time could turn into a threat, and... And says, okay, now what do you do? You don't have any of those structures, any of those habits, any of those assumptions, all that stuff that culture has given you to, to to help make your lives easier and help make conflicts easier, or just avoid conflicts altogether. Suddenly all of that is gone. What are you gonna do? And it's it's a story of what those people do with each other, for each other, or to each other. That's really the heart of a of a, of a zombie story. And that was kind of, I think, the 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 realization, the inspiration that made State of Decay, uh, really special because, you know, the, the most, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why zombies work so well in video games is that they're, you know, they have a very simple, comprehensible AI, you know, you don't have to try to make them smart. That's not the point. You try to make them follow rules and be predictable, but be inexorable. You know, you can't, you, 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 you can't really destroy them and, but you know what they're going to do. And if you're smart, you can figure out, you know, how to, how to deal with them. That's perfect for a video game. Um, but what's also perfect for a video game is stories about individuals. You know, like like, like it's very it's much easier to to, to sort of frame a, ga- a game around one person who can act, and everyone else just sort of follows a simple set of rules. Um, and so it, so you tend to see a lot of like sort of individualist kinds of stories. Uh, you know, among uh, you know about about zombies uh, in in the video game world, or stories where you know what really matters is what this one person does. Um, and so I think you know one of the things that made State of Decay stand out is the fact that it didn't just sort of create a community as sort of the background, It's sort of a story to to, to add characters and give voices and and and, and you know uh, spin a spin a narrative, but it actually built the game around that community. Like the the the, the game isn't really about the zombie fighting though. That's an important undercurrent, uh, and the you know, the game isn't about the story of an of an individual. In fact, there is no one individual that is your character in this game. Uh, you know the the way that the game works for those who haven't played it, is that, you know, you start out as one character because, you know, you kind of have to, but then very quickly you gain the ability to switch from character to character to character. And it will, you decide who you're playing in any given moment. Uh, and really who you're playing is the entire community. Um, and so the game is really about that community. And, and 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 it's about those interpersonal conflicts. And it's about the strategic decisions that the community makes together about how they're going to survive in the apocalypse over the long term. And, and, so, and so that... That's an element that, that there are definitely other games out there that do it, um, but uh, you know, state of decay did it in a time and a place and in a way that 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 caught you know some people's attention. And so it was it was a mix of sort of, I think you know you know there's always there's always a strong element of luck in pretty much everything that succeeds in, in any entertainment industry. Uh, but then on top of that, it was you know sort of zeroing in on the thing that really made zombie. Movies and zombie, uh, all kinds of zombie fiction. You know what really makes it work? What really you know makes it compelling to people? And making the game about that. You know, still having all the other elements of the zombie, of 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 the zombie, uh, you know, lore in there, but making the game about the thing that actually was the heart of these stories.
0: Uh, something else I wanted to talk about um, were was balancing. We talked a lot about systems, and we talked a lot about all that stuff. How do you start the balancing process once you've kind of you're like okay i've got all the systems in they're there how do i now find like what is the correct balance of oh man i'm hungry and i need to get food and you know i need to get materials to build my fort and i need to get ammo for my gun all those different things right there's a balance that you need to strike there to have fun what is that balance
1: and that's one of the hardest things to 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 figure out a lot of times because i mean uh, when when you're deciding how to balance your game a lot of time what you're deciding is who your audience is um, because, you know, there, there are a lot of people I think who would, who want State of Decay to be much harder than it is. And there are people who want it to be much easier than it is. Um, and, and it's, and it's very, uh, difficult to meet that. I mean, one of the things, you know, we just, we just issued the latest, uh, free update to, uh, State of Decay, uh, the year one survival edition. That's sort of the new version for Xbox one and, and for PC, um, the, uh, we we, so we okay i need to back up a little bit because okay so we made the original state of decay then i was hired uh so so my use of the word we there is completely spurious uh and then i was hired and then we made breakdown which was our first expansion so where the original game uh was was centered around a particular story about a particular community that you still had a lot of control over what you did in that community but it still was it was about a particular story breakdown was us sort of smashing that story and saying okay Here's a version of the game where it's entirely about the systems. and we and we, you know, we made some, put some very simple storytelling hooks in there that let the players sort of tell their own story, but really it was mostly about just surviving as long as you could. And we, we made it an escalating thing where once you had uh, played through a certain uh, you know, a certain amount of the game, you would sort of uh, push a reset button to uh, uh, take your community to what we alleged was uh, a, a different city that looked you know remarkably like the city you had just left um and then uh, and restart it uh but this time it would be a little bit harder the zombies would be tougher uh resources would be more scarce uh, a lot of the you know just we, we we tweaked it up just a little bit more to make it a little bit more difficult and we we added uh 11 difficulty levels it went you know went up, went up to 11 and uh and then we were like okay this at the 11th difficulty level none of us the studio could survive we're Like, okay this is this is, as, I mean, actually at level five, most of us couldn't survive. And so we're like, okay, so we'll take it twice as hard as that. We'll get up to level 11. This will be great. Everyone, you know, this is going to be awesome. Nobody's going to have any problem with this. No, we actually had people on Twitch that were, we, we made it technically possible to get past level 11. It just wouldn't get any harder um, because we, you know, we couldn't afford to, to test, you know, that many different levels. Um, but then there are people on on, on on Twitch that that got up to level 99. Uh, and, and we're like, where's the difficulty? You know, they were they were they felt betrayed <laughs> that after they got past level 11, it didn't get harder and harder and harder and harder. And they really wanted it to be harder. They wanted that kind of challenge. Whereas there were other people who, you know, even just with the original State of Decay, they're like, why is this so hard? I just want to tell a story about these people living in this town and you keep killing my characters. Um, and so, so people want different things. So, I mean one of the two one of the best tools you have in a game is 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 escalation it's the fact that, you know you can start easy and make it harder and harder as time goes on cuz then you can sort of you know let people find the point where the game is satisfying to them and 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 at that point the challenge of balance isn't you know question, the question of difficulty and, you know is this a satisfying experience to play with the level of challenge and the level of required skill. It becomes more a question of, you know, balancing different parts of the game against, you know, other parts of the game, preventing, you know, individual items or individual uh, strategies from becoming so powerful that they eliminate, and, you know, that they eliminate choices. Um, and it becomes it becomes less about difficulty balancing. Uh, that's one thing that I really like actually about um, uh, Invisible Ink is the fact that the difficulty of that game is scales very much based on um, how how stupid you are uh, as like in, in, in the in the terms of like you know you know those those uh, old like heist stories about you know somebody saying oh this will be my last job and then I'm getting out of the business but you know they but that last job that they take the super risky job where they're just pushing it one step too far is the one that gets them pinched um, that attitude that is very much what Invisible Ink is about is that, you know because all you need to do in each level is find the exit if you find the exit and get out you make it and it's fine and usually that's pretty easy but then you're looking at all of these safes that you can crack and you're looking at all of these other, you know, things that you could do. And man, I would be so much more powerful if I just went and cracked all of those safes. And if I went and got all of those resources and if I went and, you know, stole all this equipment. And so you end up over, like every time that I've lost, uh, you know, that I've lost a game of invisible ink, it's because I overextended myself to go after something that I shouldn't have been going after. Uh, And so, but I, I'm determining my own difficulty balance there. I'm deciding that I want to play the hard version of the game um, and, 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 you know, I'm deciding that it's, that that's how, I, that's how I want to do it. And so that, that makes, you know, yeah, just sort of a- escalating difficulty, one of the greatest tools, cause players can find their level and then stay at that level. And you don't necessarily, uh, that's, that becomes, that, that, leaves, that frees you up a little bit to, to focus on other questions of balance that are often a little bit more arcane and a little bit more weird.
0: Sure. So, uh, this is kind of more abstract question. Um, uh, maybe you've done this in previous games, um, how do you find the core loop of a game, and how important is that to you to find the core loop of the game?
1: So, so I mean, so defining the the, the term, uh, you know, core loop. Basically, it's it's sort of when when somebody is when somebody's playing a game, you you you, you feel like, uh, you know, it's very expensive to make a game where uh, every single new challenge is 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 a brand new thing. In fact, it's hard to make a game that's any good that way. Like, uh, there, okay, there, there are genres that do it. Like, for instance, you would look at the old um, adventure games uh like uh, like you know, maniac mansion and stuff like that there is uh sort of a core loop there's a vague core loop but basically each interaction that you do somebody's somebody planned it. okay you're gonna walk up to this gerbil you can get the gerbil out you can put the gerbil in the microwave and then when you you know when you say you know turn on the microwave the gerbil explodes or whatever like you you, you know somebody planned each little event that somebody planned out each little part of the game. It's kind of its own thing and it has its own animations and it has its own logic and it's got its own, you know, and, and for you, you're trying to puzzle out, you know, what is it that the person that, that the person who designed this game was thinking? What is it that they were trying to do? Um, but that, that that's a very expensive way to go because each little choice that the player can make, each little experience they can have has to be individually crafted. and has to, you know, it has to be, you know, sort of handcrafted. Uh, so, so, so the amount of effort per minute of fun that the player can have uh, is very high. And when you want to make a game that that somebody can play for a long time and that somebody can feel like they're getting really good at uh, over time, which is which is a really positive feeling, it's one of the one of the feelings people are, come to games for, um, is, is is that sense of mastery. It's like, oh, I used to be bad at this, but look what I can do now. Um, you know, that means that you need to come up with something that that can repeat, something that you know you make it once and then it's fun when the player does it again and again and again. Uh, and so not only does that sort of, you know, let you create a lot of entertainment through the, you know, the player iterating through a, a similar experience again and again and still enjoying it, but it also gives the player that, that sense of, of, of accomplishment as they, as they, you know, as up. So we call that the core loop, like the, that 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 single experience that you can have again and again in a game uh, that sort of make, is the foundation that, on which you build all of the specific experiences. So things like, you know, you know, in, in, in God of War, it's like, you know, Enter a room, look at some bad guys, you uh, bounce around with them until you figure out how they how they fight, and then you use you know the moves that you've got to defeat them, clear out the room, grab whatever uh, stuff might be available for you in that room, and move on to the next room. Um, or you know in, in, in Call of Duty, there's a very tight core loop of, holy crap, there's an enemy, ah uh, shoot him, shoot him, okay, I lived. Oh crap, another enemy, shoot him, oh I died. Oh, there's another enemy, shoot him, I lived. You know, and and. Uh, and that's that, that's a really exciting, very tight core loop that you're sort of you know having again and again. Um, but really, I mean, but but games, you know, games are actually made of a lot of sort of concentric loops because, you know, you've got that loop of Call of Duty, but then you've also also got the larger loop of, okay, I played through a game, I got some experience, I leveled up, oh, I've just unlocked a new gun, I should check out that gun, I should level up that gun. Um, and there's all these different sort of experience loops going on at the same time so that in any one moment, you're probably near the end of one of those loops and you're about to hit the point where you get the positive feedback for having succeeded at something and you're going to go back to the beginning. But, even while that one loop that you're on is resetting and going back, going back around again, there's another loop that's almost about to end. I think that's one of the brilliant things about Call of Duty, uh, that they, Call of Duty 4 came up with for shooters is the idea that it's, it's, you can have more than just that one loop of live, 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 try to kill someone, try to kill someone. Oh yes, you did it. Oh no, you failed. Go back, try again. That loop is really exciting and really satisfying. But by adding those additional concentric, you know, loops where there's also the loop of trying to earn kill streets and there's also the loop of, you know, of, of, of trying to unlock weapons and there's also the loop of tr- loop of trying to prestige over a very long period of time. You know, all of these different, loops, they all kind of contribute to each other to to sort of keep the player just always on the cusp of, of achieving something that they're that they're proud of. Um, and so. Uh, so, so the way that I think about loops, so like you, know, you come up with the core loop of the game. You got You have to make sure there's sort of this base on this foundation that you're building on. You know, and with you know with with state of decay, it's basically you know you, you uh, you recognize some need that you have at your at your base you go out into the world and you and you sort of survey and you look around and you try to find a way to satisfy that need you, you usually have to you know overcome some 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 <laughs> challenge out there you usually fight some zombies uh to 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 get what it is you need out there and then you've got to get home in one piece get home alive uh and then when you do you satisfy the need that you had and you you uh, you either you know fix a problem or you build something that that you know that feels like an accomplishment and you get you know this feeling of yes i did it all right and then you see another need, or you you, you or you, you have another ambition, and you want to go out again. Um, that's sort of the that's the um, that's the, the core loop. But you know, a lot of what makes that that compelling is is the way we support it with additional loops. You know, things like well, I'm also leveling up a character. So over you know this one character, I might take him out. You know. Uh, not just one time, but you know, taking out dozens of times. And over that period of time, that character gets better and better. and there this there's this nice you know experience of 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 you know leveling them up, choosing new skills, uh, watching them you know this character go go from being uh, just you know your your typical everyday person to being a, to being a zombie apocalypse survivor. And you know there's and there's just other uh, even much smaller loops of, holy crap, a zombie, Can I kill him? Yes, I did you know that that, uh, that that are much tighter and so you get not just that sort of that that foundational loop but just all these other concentric loops and 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 what I think that's a big part of what makes a lot of you know people's favorite games this immensely you know grander more satisfying experience than than maybe a game that they might pick up try out think oh that was fun but they never come back to again I think a lot of it comes with sort of the the, the how, how, how deep your your, 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 um, layers of, of loops are in the game is the the number of, of different things that are, that the player can be thinking about and working on and, 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 trying to, trying to achieve.
0: Another question I wanted to ask was about playtesting. Uh, how, how important is it maybe to you or to undead labs? I mean, however you want to answer this, but, um, and what do you look for specifically when you play test something?
1: Uh, we've, yeah, we've been doing more and more playtesting as time's gone on because it's it, it is it is just a really invaluable resource. Actually, one thing you know, um, the super secret project that I'm working on right now, uh, we we you know there there was a, a period at the beginning, which is you know there's a period at the beginning of of, of most. Uh, game projects where uh, you're building core technology and you're 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 doing a lot of stuff that that you know you're building the foundation on the tech side, which means a lot of the surface level gameplay stuff just isn't possible yet. You know, you, there's nothing you can do with it, and so we're sitting here. You know, the game design team uh, is you know we're 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 building a uh, you know a bunch of making a bunch of plans and designing a bunch of stuff. But we don't know if it's good yet because we haven't seen it in the game. And, and certainly, one thing you learn, you know, from you know the longer you spend in the industry, the more convinced you are that whatever idea you have that you write down on paper that you, you know pitch to a room full of, of people, um, you know that that idea is stupid. You don't know why it's stupid yet, but you know as soon as it goes into the game, you're going to find out how stupid it is. Uh, but but it still it probably is. You know, maybe it's a step in the right direction, and you're going to learn over time how to make it, how to make the real version of that idea, the one that actually works. Um, but until you get into the game and someone else actually plays it and and you watch somebody play it and you see what their experience is you really don't know if it's any good at all you 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 have to you have to think that way about all of your ideas because if you get obsessed with an idea and think that it's brilliant before you've ever seen it um you're just setting yourself up to make something terrible you you have to have like that sort of not even just, like beyond humility to just active self-deprecation about your ideas <laughs> until you actually see them within in the game yeah, cuz i think you know game, i think of game design as being a a pro, a, a, a a process of discovery you know it's not really about necessarily um inventing uh some some great idea it's about discovering a great idea by trying things again and again and, and and winnowing things down it's 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 it feels it feels almost like like yeah like scientific discovery more than it than it than it feels like uh like uh than it, like anything else um but so, so what we did, you know, during that period where we really just couldn't test a lot of our ideas in the game was we started uh, building little mini board games to test them out. We would do paper prototyping, basically, where, you know, we would say, OK, here's here's the idea for this system. Um, what if I made what if instead of UI on the screen and you know, running a character out to have an adventure, what if instead of that uh, I had little plastic cubes? um on graph paper and uh, and somebody was trying to go out and collect these these cubes and bring them back and then and i you know and i can give the play you know give the play testers a, a fantasy that okay well this cube represents this and this cube represents that what you know and, and, and let's let's play through this idea and see um see how it works and and so we would do you know play test after play test on just these little paper ideas uh to sort of figure out you know what's you know what's the right way to go with these systems, and, and so we ended up without having to make any programmers do anything. Like the programmers could stay focused on building the core technology. They didn't. They didn't need to be distracted. You know, uh, implementing all of our terrible ideas. We got to get through the most terrible ideas first on our own uh, through just you know, playtesting on paper before we even asked anyone to, 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 to code anything for us, which, which, which is great because there's nothing, there's nothing a designer hates more than having some brilliant idea, having a coder spend weeks on it, and then they come and play, and they're like, oh, no, this is terrible. What was I thinking? Oh, this is the worst. Uh, I think you need to go back and spend three weeks doing this again with a better idea and not me leading you down the wrong right path. I'm so, so, so sorry. Uh, and <laughs> that's just a terrible experience to the point where, you know, some uh, annoying designers uh, just refuse to go through that experience and just push their own terrible ideas through uh, no matter what happens. Uh, cause they can't face up to the fact that, you know, they have to apologize to everyone for getting something wrong, but be willing to publicly get things wrong and just show everyone what you, what an idiot you are in public. I think that's one of the most valuable skills of a, of a game designer, because your best ideas are always going to be your ninth idea. And so you, you, you have to be able to find a graceful and, and confident way to get there. Uh, you know, If you really want if you really want the best idea to to end up in the final in in the final game.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you kind of based off of that and you were talking about, you know, what a designer needs and all that fun stuff. Can you define to me what what does a lead designer do in your opinion?
1: Uh, I, I feel like I'm still figuring that out because because I mean every 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 team is so is so different from each other I mean when I was a you know a lead designer um, back when I was working at at, at amaze entertainment and uh, and at uh, glue mobile um I, the 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 sizes and types of my teams varied really widely. From you know there were there were teams where I was the only designer, which is you know a very you, technically they often give you the title lead designer when you're the only designer, and it's mostly just hilarious and you feel like they're making fun of you. Um, and then but then there's you know uh, but then there were there were teams where I you know there were there were ten or twelve designers working you know working uh, technically you know like under me in the hierarchy. And I've always been the type of person who I'm very uncomfortable with authority. Like like I'm not you know I could never have you know, uh, help rank in the military or anything like that, because I, you know, I do not come in and feel like I know everything and feel like I need to, you know, boss people around. Like I, I feel very much like, you know, I'm, you know, it, like, you know, nobody should, nobody should ever win an argument because they have authority. People should, uh, you know, groups should come to consensus about the, what the right idea is and and so for me it's like I, I, I very much see my role as being you know uh not the one who has to have all the best ideas and not the one who has to come in and make everybody do things i feel like my role should is much more about being a facilitator to try to catch problems you know, ca- you know find all the ways that you know, find all, find all of the best ideas out there on the team bring them together, figure out how they fit together and, you know, the best way to, to, to fit them together and make them agree with each other, make them work together. And then, you know, and, and sort of, um, and then catch the problems as, as, as you're going on. It's, it's, it's much more of a, it's just about having, uh, having a perspective on the game that, 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 that sort of helps inform a lot of the ground level decisions that people are making. And it's way less about authority, uh, uh for me. Um, so yeah, and, and for me, like I felt like the the reason why that I was actually a lead designer, you know, made a lead designer kind of early on in my career was not because I was particularly good at management. Like I, like that I've I've been given management jobs, uh, you know, before where, where the job was mostly about management and not about game design. And I don't think I performed very well at any of those jobs. Like like it's like for me, people people are this uh, like like social interactions with other humans are this great mystery that I I sort of I, I always feel like I'm just barely holding on. To to A basic comprehension of how it works, uh, and I think I think many people, uh, many people who sort of you know grew up as as, as geeky types uh, might feel feel that way, um, and so interpersonal stuff is just like ah, scary to me. You no, know, I'm much, I'm much more comfortable with 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 inanimate things like ideas. You know, they don't have a, they, you know, like uh, I can, you know, I can work with the ideas all day, and none of those ideas are going to judge me or have any uh, opinions about whether I'm a good enough designer to be working with them or not. Uh, and so it's, that I'm so much more comfortable with those. And so I think the reason I'm a lead designer is not because I'm super good at, you know, at handling people and interpersonal interactions and and management. I think it's just because that sort of high level. Um, game design about, you know, uh, find, you know, finding those, finding the most elegant way to express these, you know, core loops and all that stuff. Like that kind of game design is the kind of game design that I'm that uh, that I'm most attuned to, and so I ended up in, in in that kind of role just because that's the kind of designing that I do, not because it's actually like, anyone actually wants me to be their boss. Because I don't, because <laughs> I I definitely don't feel like that's 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 sort of the role that I'm destined to play in life. I'm really glad that you know, uh, you know we've got our our design director uh, Richard uh, Foggy, who uh, who's you know. He's got the ultimate job security, which is that that nobody beneath him actually wants his job uh, because his job is so it, it involves so much management and and so much you know like uh, he's he's got to do so many things that are not game design that I don't think anyone else really really has any desire to to supplant him and so you know he, so so he can have that job forever and I'll just focus on making a game and it'll it'll be awesome. Um, I don't I don't know if he's actually thrilled with that, but <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: Um, uh... One of the questions I wanted to ask also was about Undead Labs in general. Uh, I read when the company was founded, I actually was kind of interested uh, just because the name initially was I was like, oh, that's that's kind of a clever name. And then started reading more Lab as our <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, and, you know, the, the interesting thing when I started reading more into it was um, there was this I, I don't want to say manifesto. Maybe it was. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, there was this thing that I think Jeff Strain wrote. I, I don't know, but um, it was it basically said, you know, that we're going to treat our employees better. We're not going to completely destroy them with crunch and we're not going to completely uh, have um, God, what was the big one? Oh, it was like there were royalties that we were going to give our employees. And, you know, and we love this so much that you could use this as well if you wanted to start your own studio.
1: Yeah, I think it did, didn't he say in the manifesto that his lawyer advised him not to do that because yes. he saw it as such a such a competitive edge uh, in attracting employees that he shouldn't tell everyone else uh, how to do
0: it. Right, um, I was, I was yeah. like, that's interesting. So, based on that, this is the only knowledge I have of of the culture there at Undead Labs. So, um, what's it like working at Undead Labs?
1: Well, so so. I, Working, have worked at other places. Uh, you know, there's this experience you have working really, pretty much anywhere in the industry. We, you know, talk about this here sometimes is the fact that, you know, you get uh, a bunch of employees together, they go out to lunch, and they sit on a table, and a lot of times you get into this conversation where it's like, uh, like all of the things that are wrong with this studio. Oh, can you, you know what we need to do is is, you know, if, if, if we had real managers, what they'd do is this. Or, you know, it's like you get into these kind of, kind of negative but, but kind of cathartic conversations with each other about, you know, like what's wrong, but we're all smart enough that, that we're better than this studio and we'll fix it or, or you know, or somebody's going to fix it or, or, you know, like it's all – we have these conversations that are all about fixing what's broken. The funny thing about Undead Labs is, you know, in my experience – when you, ha- when you go out to lunch and you start having a conversation about how the studio works, it's not about how we want to fix it. It's all about how we're all kind of flabbergasted and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, the studio can't actually work this well and be this good, can it? Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're all sort of, you know, all of us have, you know, studio of, of veterans, all of us have worked a lot of other studios. And we just have this experience. You kind of have this expectation that... That yeah, you love making video games because video games are great, but of course, most of your job actually sucks. Uh, it's, it's sort of how you feel, you know, a, a, a lot of times in, in in a lot of parts of the game industry. But here, we actually like no, I genuinely love the studio that I work at, and this actually this is genuinely a good experience. And I re- like every interaction that I've had with Jeff Strain, where he had to you know step in and get involved with something that was going on, some problem we were trying to solve as a studio. Every time he stepped in and did something, I've always been glad he did. Like I've never, I've never felt like like he, you know, you have a lot of you know, uh, bosses and producers and things like that who like when you know when they when they step in to solve a problem, they make everything worse. And uh, I've had that type before, but um, but with Jeff, it's like you know he really knows what he's doing. I think one of the, one of the strengths of the studio is actually just the fact that. The fact it, it it we benefit a lot from the fact that Jeff knows what he's doing because you know he's managing us directly and you know and we, we get to benefit from that. But it's also the fact that I mean he's he's built up enough cachet in the industry where you know he's you know he was a, a Blizzard guy and we know that you know everybody from Blizzard is an absolute genius. Um, and then we've got <laughs> and uh, and, but, and but then he comes out of that and he um uh and he founds ArenaNet which succeeds, you know, uh, you know, fantastically. Then he leaves ArenaNet and, uh, you know, and he spends some time at, at NCSOP and then he comes over here and he makes Undead Labs, which is also successful. And you get, you know, you get the sense that like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing and, 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 and people, uh, he has a sort of this air of, of, of respect and competence and, and just really know what he's doing that he carries with him everywhere he goes, which doesn't just benefit us as, you know, as his employees, but it also Puts us as a studio in a better position. You know, when, when he talks to publishers and and uh, you know other like outside companies and partners and stuff they treat him with respect and they, you know, and he, and he knows it's partly because they treat him with respect because of his reputation, but it's also, he knows the right time to stand your ground. He knows the right time to, to bend. And he gets us into positions where, you know, like a lot of times, you know, when I was working in the, in the, in the, um, in the part of the industry that was, you know, making like licensed games based on kids movies and stuff like that, we were always on the, on the, you know, short end of the bargaining table. Like we, we, we were always like, you know, the only bargaining chip we had was promising publishers that we could make more of a game for less money only bargaining chip we had our bosses had to cash in every single time and so we always found ourselves crunching ourselves to death to fulfill promises that we didn't have the resources to fulfill and and that's sort of the way a lot of the game industry works even even now is you know just people making really extravagant promises and then killing themselves to try to deliver on them Um, but Jeff works really hard to make sure that that's not a situation we get into. Now, that doesn't mean we never, ever have crunch. We never, ever have, you know, deadlines or anything like that. But there's just, there is a palpable difference, uh, you know, working in undead labs, uh, with, you know, with, uh, with this guy and and, and the way that, you know, sort of he's he's set up, set, set set us up than, 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 anywhere else I've worked, which is, which is great because, you know, when I was 24, I could do that. Like, you know, when, when, you're, when you're 24 and you've got no kids and you're single and, you know, and your entire social life is at work, uh, you can work 80-hour weeks because, you know, it's just your life. You're doing what you love, whatever. You can just work an arbitrary amount of time. Uh, but this, uh, you know, one of the other, you know, thing, choices that he made was that he, you know, he was going to hire a studio of people who've been working in the industry for, like, you know, over a decade. Um, and when you are hiring people like that, you're not hiring these, you know, uh, 20 somethings who have, you know, who, who have nothing better to do basically than work all the time. You're hiring people, you know, I've got four children, uh, and you're hiring people who have like serious, you know commitments other places you know I couldn't work 80 hours if I wanted to I couldn't you know uh when I talk about crunching here I'm talking about like maybe 50 hours uh, and and really straining myself to try to do that and also be home in time to take my kids to extracurricular activities uh and you know be there you know and, and also staying up all night with my crying baby and you know it's like I've got all this other stuff going on in my life but there's, there's a lot of value to be had from having, you know, experienced employees who have been around the block a few times. And so wh- whereas you can get a lot of bulk work out of folks who, uh, who are very young and very hungry uh, at the beginning of their careers, you can get, a oh, there's, there's a different kind of benefit you can get from hiring people who are later on in their careers. And you can't, you cannot work them as hard. Like they're just, you know, we're tired and we have a lot else going on in our lives. Uh, so you can't work us as hard as you can work uh, somebody who's much younger, but there, there are other benefits you can get from it. And so just, there's just this mix of strategies going on here at undead labs that, that I think, you know, give it, give us a really strong culture and give us a really, you know, this sense that, you know, we, we, you know, by and large people love working here and that, and that, that, that really, and that you can see that coming out in, in the games we make.
0: Very cool. So with that, sir, uh, I think I'm going to conclude the interview cause that's about an hour. Um, yeah. But I did want to ask: Did you want to plug anything in particular, or talk about anything? And uh, well, unfortunately,
1: because because of just where we are in the development process, we don't have anything at um, actual Undead Labs. Uh, no, no new projects to plug right now. You definitely, uh, if, if you if you want to know about anything that we're doing, uh, you can you can watch our Twitter feed. We're you know uh, undead, at Undead Labs, uh, and you can go to our to our website, Undeadlabs.com. We got a, an active you know forum there with a lot of uh, really you know, fun people. Um, another thing, I, I also. Um, uh, I I spend my so like most uh, game developers, I've got a really deep um, uh, steam a pile of steam games that I have not yet played. A steaming pile, uh, so, if you will. Uh, yes, it's exactly a, a steaming pile, uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, so what my strategy, and, and it's been sitting there for years, you know, we have be barely making any progress. So the strategy that I've adopted recently, cause again, I don't have a lot of free time at home, uh, to play games cause I'm taking care of, you know, four children. Um, and so, uh, what I do is, uh, every, every lunch break, I actually, uh, I, I get on Twitch and I start playing and I play a different, you know, one of my, one of the games for my steam queue, uh, on Twitch every day. So I'm, I'm, um, uh, which I can probably spell for you later uh, and, um, uh, on Twitch. And that's also, uh, that's also my Twitter handle. Uh, and so, you know, basically every day at noon Pacific time, or sometimes a little later, if I have a meeting or something uh, I, I'm on Twitch. And so you can, I mean, you, you can come see me there if anyone's interested
0: perfect uh thank you good sir for coming on the show and coming on so early uh i really do appreciate it and for anybody else that wants to check out more episodes of game devastation you can go to patreon.com backslash frost or you can look it up on itunes at game devastation please go rate it i think we've got one five star rating we need like a billion more so that would be helpful uh and yeah thank you for checking out the show adios guys